Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 11th June 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time, a groundbreaking approval for Alzheimer's in the US, lag 3 inhibitors and new Keytruder data generates excitement at ASCO, and progress for another COVID-19 vaccine. Biogen and Azi won a groundbreaking approval for Aduhelm, which is aducanumab, as the first disease-modifying drug for Alzheimer's disease. And now attention is turning to the commercial ramp. The big question is if the companies can convince patients, physicians and payers that the uncertain efficacy of the drug justifies the price Biogen has set. Jessica Merrill writes that Aduhelm was granted an accelerated approval by the US FDA on 7th June in a controversial decision that had Alzheimer's patient advocates, investors and the biopharma community riveted. In recognition of the limited clinical trial data supporting the approval, the FDA agreed only to an accelerated approval and said it would require a confirmatory trial to prove efficacy or else it will pull the drug from the market. But getting that information will take years. Biogen did not waver on pricing, setting a premium price well outside the bounds recommended by the independent drug pricing watchdog, the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, and even beyond most analyst expectations. The wholesale acquisition cost of Aduhelm will be $4,312 per infusion for an average weight patient in the US with mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia, putting the yearly cost of the maintenance dose at about $56,000. Biogen vowed not to raise the price of Adihelm for at least four years. ICER's evaluation of the drug found the price would be cost-effective at $2,500 to $8,300 per year, or if disregarding the negative clinical trial and taking into account only the positive clinical trial, $11,100 to $23,100. Price and access are sensitive matters for all groundbreaking innovations. Biogen CEO Michael Vanatsos said in a letter to the public about the approval. We have engaged extensively with health economists, public health experts and payers about Aduhelm and we have examined other recent biologic innovations, he said. Staying with Aduhelm, Jessica also reports that the drug is expected to become a mega blockbuster, but early obstacles to diagnosis and reimbursement could slow the initial launch. During an investor call on 8th June, Biogen's management forecast modest revenue coming from Aduhelm in 2021 with a broader commercial ramp-up starting in 2022. One challenge Biogen will need to overcome for Aduhelm's commercial success is using PET imaging or cerebral spinal fluid testing to confirm an Alzheimer's diagnosis through amyloid beta's presence in the brain. The Centres for Medicare and Medicaid Services do not currently reimburse PET imaging which could present an added challenge since most patients are expected to be insured under Medicare. The desire to confirm amyloid beta pathology by physicians could be a major bottleneck, Biogen CEO Vernadsos warned investors. We continue to advocate for PET reimbursement from CMS, joining a coalition of healthcare organisations who support a revised coverage policy. While Adihelm's FDA approval doesn't require PET imaging to confirm diagnosis, the clinical trials supporting its approval used it and CSF testing, and the company expects many physicians will rely on them. In addition, the clinical trials enrolled early Alzheimer's patients where interventions are believed to hold more promise, but where early diagnosis through testing is critical. 
Biogen has moved to establish two programmes with the diagnostic firm LabCorp and Mayo Clinic Laboratories to help physicians and patients access CSF diagnostic laboratory testing. But Biogen's US President Alicia Alimo said both tests' availability to patients is essential. We need PET because the lumbar puncture will not be for everyone, she said. About 30-40% to 40% of the patients might have contraindication with taking blood thinners or anticoagulants. On the other hand, in rural parts of the US, CSF testing could be preferable because of PET radioisotopes' short half-lives. In addition, patients will need to undergo MRI scans prior to the 7th and 12th infusions to monitor for radiographic severe ARIA-H, which is a safety risk. New data presented at the ASCO meeting is helping to fill in the picture on LAG3 inhibitors and validate the immune checkpoint as an immuno-oncology target with potential in several cancers. But there's still uncertainty over where these drugs will fit in the oncology landscape. While some experts see less activity for anti-PD-1 LAG3 than anti-PD-1 CTLA-4 strategies in melanoma, others see the new combination's efficacy as comparable in addition to being less toxic. Arguably, the most buzz has been around VMS's Phase 2-3 Relativity 047 trial of PD-1 inhibitor Opdivo combined with its LAG3 inhibitor Relatlimab in advanced melanoma. Regeneron has PD-1 LAG3 data of its own in advanced melanoma and on 4th June presented data for the combination of Lipteo and Fianlimab. Others include two LAG3 targeting drugs combined with Merck Co.'s PD-1 inhibitor Keytruda. The company's in-house Phase 1 LAG3 inhibitor Favazelimab in colorectal cancer and Immutep's Phase 2 fusion protein FTLAGIMOD alpha in non-small cell lung cancer and head and neck cancer. There's obviously PD-1, PD-L1 and CTLA-4, which have all gotten all the attention and all of the drug development all these years. But there's this second tier of checkpoints that people have been actively working on for a number of years. The University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center oncologist Rodabe Amaria told Scripps Alaric Diament. Amaria presented a phase 2 study she conducted testing Opdivo Relatlimab in neoadjuvant and adjuvant melanoma and also listed targets like OX40, 41BB, GITR and TIM3. Alaric's article also includes infographics on the current state on combination strategy for the LAG3 inhibitors as a group. The Keynote 564 study supporting use of Merck Co's Keytruder in adjuvant renal cell carcinoma, likely another first-to-market advantage for the PD-1 inhibitor, is an important advance as checkpoint inhibitor immuno-oncology shifts to earlier use in adjuvant settings in various cancers. Amid high interest, the US firm presented positive data from the Phase 3 Keynote 564 study comparing Keytruder with placebo in adjuvant RCC at the 6th June plenary session of the ASCO meeting, following an earlier top-line release noting that the trial showed a disease-free survival benefit. I think one of the key themes that we see at this ASCO is moving IO therapy into earlier treatment settings, Merck's therapeutic head for late-stage oncology clinical development, Scott Ebbinghaus, told Scripps Alaric Diament. I think this is a kind of a year for adjuvant therapy findings, he said. With a median follow-up of 24.1 months, data from the study showed that disease-free survival at two years was 77.3% among patients receiving Keytruda 
and 68.1% with placebo, while median DFS was not reached. Based on a hazard ratio of 0.68, the risk of disease recurrence or death was reduced by 32%. Most of the time, you identify renal cell at a stage where it can be surgically excised, but half of patients who undergo surgical excision eventually experience recurrence of their disease, Ebbinghaus said, noting in particular the approximately one-third risk reduction that the study showed, as well as a safety profile consistent with prior studies of the drug. I think that's really the key takeaway, he said. At the 6th June plenary session of ASCO, researchers expressed excitement about the data. So are the results of Keynote 564 practice changing? I would argue that yes, they are in fact practice changing, discussant Rana McKay, an oncologist at the University of California, San Diego, said. The data represent a paradigm shift as the first positive phase 3 study of adjuvant immunotherapy in RCC. Finally, Valneva could gain authorization for its COVID-19 vaccine in the UK, purely on the immune response it generates in a head-to-head study with AstraZeneca's shot Vaxzevria. If the data are compelling, that would make it the first COVID-19 vaccine authorized via this route, and without undertaking a larger phase 3 study based on efficacy in preventing infection, Andrew McConaughey reports. That is down to the willingness of the UK regulator, the MHRA, to accept that an immune response equal to or better than the AstraZeneca vaccine translates into similar efficacy, a so-called correlate of protection. That puts the UK regulator ahead of the US FDA, which has expressed willingness to employ COP data for COVID-19 vaccine approvals, but has not yet allowed any US-based trials to proceed on this basis. Belneva's Phase 3 trial, COV-COMPARE, compares its candidate VLA-2001 against AstraZeneca's vaccine and as of 3rd June is fully recruited with 4,000 participants. VLA-2001 is an inactivated vaccine using its established VeroCell platform boosted by two adjuvants, Alum, which is a well-established approach, and Dynavax's novel CPG-1018. The UK government has placed an advanced purchase order of 100 million doses of Valneva's candidate, with an option to order an extra 90 million doses in a deal worth up to $1.8 billion. The company is preparing to deliver the first tranche of a 60 million dose consignment in the second half of 2021 from its production facility in Scotland. COV compares primary endpoint is to determine the immune response, which is geometric mean titer of SARS-CoV-2-specific neutralising antibodies, two weeks after completion of a two-dose immunisation schedule administered in a four-week interval. The company is hoping that VLA-2001 can provide a superior immune response compared to the AstraZeneca vaccine, although it's not certain how it might proceed if the study fails to produce a clear result. Valneva produced Phase 1-2 data in April, which showed neutralising antibody titers at or above levels generally seen in convalescent sera, similar to results from AZ's own Phase 1-2 immunogenicity study trials a year ago. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. Be sure to sign in to access these stories in full, which are also linked in the article accompanying this podcast, or do take a free trial to see what you're missing out on. A redesign of the script site launched on 14th June, which will enable easier and faster navigation around the site and with new drop-down menus, so be sure to check that out. Bye for now.